0: Welcome to it. John Scholes here. Alex Luchaferro will be your guy doing all the heavy lifting. Welcome to the show. We've got a half hour to make it that much smarter. How do you uh, reach out? Simple. Email help at employmentlawyer.ca. And the website available to you anytime, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. The main topic in just a bit will be dealing with criticism, discipline, and bad performance reviews. That is on the way. First, though, case of the day, pal. What do you got going on, Alex?
1: Hey, good evening, John. Thanks very much. Another edition of the Employment Law Show here. Great to be back, as usual, on the air talking employment law, talking your workplace rights. Uh, it's been another busy start to the week, John, as, as usual this year. Lots of people contacting us with questions about their employment. Uh, fielded a ton of questions uh, today, John, about uh, workplace safety, medical leaves of absence. Uh, spoke to a couple of individuals about, unfortunately, uh, the loss of their jobs and the severance pay that they were offered. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do always encourage people to reach out to us, John, seek out that help, seek out the information and the advice that you need to help resolve whatever workplace problem uh, you're dealing with. If you want to contact us at the office as well, really however you want to get a hold of us, the important thing here is when you're dealing with a situation at work, If you have questions about your workplace rights, if you've been let go from your job, or if you just feel like your employer is not holding up its end of the bargain, you need to speak with an employment lawyer as soon as possible, as quickly as possible. These kinds of conversations are extremely important, they cannot uh, wait. Oftentimes, by doing nothing in response to a workplace problem, you are making the situation work. You run out of time uh, and you can affect your rights and your options by not acting in the moment. And of course, these kinds of decisions could affect, of course, your pay in the short term. They could affect your entire career in the long term. And listen, the more information and knowledge you have as an employee, the more protected, the more prepared you're going to be to be able to deal with those kinds of workplace sure. issues. So extremely important stuff, uh, John. As you said at the top of the show, we're here to uh, make our listeners more knowledgeable about their workplace rights. Case in point, let's talk about the case of the day. It's an opportunity to speak to, uh, to our listeners about a particular matter I dealt with today that I think will provide a pretty good lesson uh... john for uh... cool for uh... our uh... our long time uh... and you listeners for that matter as well so spoke to a gentleman uh... this afternoon uh, john so this is hot off the press as they say very nice fellow fifty years of age uh... he's been in a kind of technical role his entire life most recently john for the past five years of uh, his career. He's been employed with a pretty large university in the province. I'm obviously not going to say who, okay. but a pretty pretty well-known university uh, here in, on, uh, in Ontario. And again, working as a senior technician, uh, handling a bunch of IT stuff and a bun- bunch of t- stuff for the university. Like I said, pretty senior specialized position. Now, this gentleman... Uh, John, for one reason or another, and we'll get into uh, uh, how ludicrous these kinds of arrangements are, but for one reason or another, he was signing an employment contract every single year of his employment. So every uh, June, his uh, employer, the university, would come to him and say, your contract for the year is up. Here's another contract for you to sign, same terms, nothing changes, you don't have to do an interview, you don't have to apply for the job again, we're just keeping you on kind of yearly contracts, here you go, and that's what's happened for the past five years. Now, unfortunately, uh, John, this past June, the employer came to him and said, sorry, we're not renewing your contract this year, there's no room in the budget, we're eliminating the position, and so your employment is ending, the day the contract comes to an end. And that was the end of June, John. So (laughs) it's been a couple of weeks now since he was let go. And so this gentleman reached out to us, John, and wanted to know, well, is is my employer allowed to do this? Are they allowed to just tell me my contract ended? Quite shockingly, uh, John, the university did not offer him a penny of severance. Nope. They simply told him, contracts come to an end, you're done, wish you all the best, so long. Uh again it was a uh it was a financial matter uh, John they didn't have room in the budget and so regardless of the quality of his work or how good a job he was doing for the university they decided to let him go. So he contacts me I speak to him this afternoon uh, John and he asks me Alex am I owed any additional severance is what the university did here correct can they just decide to not remue- renew my contract without really giving me any notice whatsoever I think they might have given him a couple of days notice. Uh, John, and again, our longtime listeners will know this very well. John, and you will know this as well, being uh, having done this show for such a long time. This is absolute nonsense. This is completely illegal. I'm surprised in 2023 that a university, whichever HR representative or or a group of individuals are making these decisions. Uh, this gentleman is very clearly owed severance. He's not a contract employee going year to year on his contract. This gentleman is a five-year employee whose severance entitlements are going to be based on his age, position, and years of service. The fact that he signed the contract that says his contract comes to an end on a specific date does not matter. And the reason why it doesn't matter, John, is because he signed more than one of them. That's right. When you're in this kind of situation as an employee where you're signing successive contracts every year, and it doesn't take many, John, you could sign two of these contracts and you are considered an indefinite employee. And if that contract comes to an end, guess what? You're going to be owed severance like any other employee in the circumstances. And this gentleman, being a five-year employee, 50 years old, senior technician, senior technical position with the university, he is looking at least at six months of severance, John, in his circumstances. Easily, he's owed half a year's uh, a pay. And the university, John, offered him nil. I mean, it's just really, really shocking stuff. Yeah. I can understand a very small um, uh, employer that doesn't have any experience with lots of employees can you know, do this kind of stuff, a university that employs thousands of individuals over the course of decades, clearly they should know these kinds of basic rules when it comes to employment law. This is not complicated stuff, John. So we're going to be working with this individual, with this gentleman, to get him the severance that he's owed. The good news for him is, as I just said, the law is very, very straightforward in these situations. There's no question he's owed severance. There's no question it's going to be in the range of six months, and it's going to be a, an expensive leaven, lesson. Uh, our listeners have learned the lesson uh, from this yeah. situation today, both employers and employees.
0: We'll take a uh, quick call here from Mark before we go to uh, to break. Hey, Mark, thanks for taking the time, pal. How are you tonight?
2: I'm okay, and you? Good, sir. What's on your mind? Amazing. I have to tell you, you're one of the best stations in the
0: country. Uh, too, too kind, man. I uh, really appreciate you saying that. Uh, what can we do for you?
2: Now, the, the employee was working there for about 20 years. Right. And, and normally everybody, uh, the employer, uh, contributes towards a pension plan. You familiar with that? Out of every paycheck, not CPP, regular.
1: I, I'm following you, Mark. Yep, yeah, go ahead. So okay. far, so good.
2: Now the, the employee found out 15 years down the line that the contribution of the employer only started eight years ago, let's say.
1: So there were a few years missing there. Uh,
2: a few, a lot. Hmm. Now she went to the, the employee, went to the accountant to whoever does the paper and asked her, what's the story with this? Uh, like on the, uh, the tongue and cheek, I was told not to put in your thing.
1: Not was this employee unionized, Mark, or non-unionized? Yes, it is. It, it, sorry, was it a unionized employment?
2: Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So, Good.
1: Okay. Th- th- this is a this is potentially a real issue, Mark. And sorry, I'll I'll cut to the chase here only because we're up against uh, uh, up right. against the break here. Um, if if this employee is unionized, meaning there is a union in the workplace, this is a real issue. They should be speaking with their union about pursuing those lack of pension uh, entitlements uh, because they would rightfully be owed them. It is difficult because so much time has passed, right? So that's the main problem here. But if the employee made an error that was only discovered many years ago, it's possible that this employee does have the right to those pension contributions for those years. And I would say particularly in a unionized environment, even more so. Uh, and so your this employee, whoever it is, whether it's you or a spouse or whomever, uh, should be speaking to their union uh, about it as soon as possible. Hopefully, the union champions the issue and takes it up and, and files a grievance against the company.
0: And that's the way Mark's got to go, right? He's got to go with the unions It's one of those situations?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. If it's a unionized employee, uh, John, unfortunately, they can't speak to an outside employment lawyer. They can't deal with it themselves. It has to has to be through a union. And these are these are one of those situations where actually the union might be actually quite helpful. Cool.
0: Mark, thanks for the call. Pal, you want to reach out any further for any other details, you know where to go right to your union. There is nowhere to run except right here at the Employment Law Show. Say bye. Welcome back to the show. Uh, dealing with criticism, discipline, and bad performance reviews. My good pal, Alex Luciferro, is here. you want to reach out to Alex, by the way, when the show is not happening. Simple, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Okay, dealing with criticism, discipline, bad performance reviews. Number one, Alex, if an employee does not believe, not believe that a bad performance review or disciplinary action from their employer is justified, nope, they don't think so, what should they do?
1: It's a question, John, that we get asked very, very often, actually. This is quite a popular uh, issue that seems to be happening more and more in workplaces, John, where employers are implementing what we call progressive disciplinary policies. And so as part of, let's say, a performance issue, an employer will come in and sit an employee down and say, you know, we have... The following issues with respect to your performance, you know, we have issues X, Y, and Z. Here are all the things that you need to improve on, and here are the targets that you need to hit with respect to these issues. And this is what we call, John, a performance improvement plan. It could be very, very formal in writing with very specific metrics and specific targets. Oftentimes for, you know, salespeople, for example, they'll have numbers right. that they have to hit or, you know, a certain uh, amount of productivity that they have to hit. It can also be less formal, John. It, it could be a conversation. It could be a, a general, a general point. The question you ask is really the most important one, John, because it's what does an employee do in response? When you are that employee and you're sat down and being you're being told that you're not measuring up to the mark and your performance is suffering and you need to do these things to improve, how do you respond? The obvious answer, John, is you have to respond Honestly, meaning if you disagree with the performance criticism, if you think your employer is wrong about the criticism that you're receiving and you genuinely kind of objectively believe it, mm-hmm. right? I'm not, I'm not saying here you have to argue or fight just for the sake of it. If you genuinely feel as though the, their assessment is not accurate, you need to say so. You need to respond and say, I agree with points number one and two. I disagree with points number three and four. Here's why. And ideally, John, you want to put that in writing. The reason why you want to put it in writing is because if you're having to deal with this a month from now or three months from now or six months from now and maybe they've taken further action with respect to a performance plan or disciplinary action or if your employment has been let go and they're alleging that your performance had a uh, had a had an influence in that. Well, then you want to have a written record of the fact that you disagreed with those performance criticisms. You want to have the evidence needed to defend yourself, if need be. You may not need that evidence to defend yourself, right? Maybe things work out perfectly moving forward with the company. But out of abundance of caution, you want to respond to a bad performance review. In writing, if you don't agree to it. If you do agree to it, then listen, you can accept it. You can say, let's do it, and give your best, obviously, for the company. If it doesn't work out, you're probably owed severance no matter what. John, we'll probably get to that in a sec. Yeah. But you want to put your response in writing. It's key, key, key for issues that develop down the road if things snowball and progress.
0: Danny, thank you for standing by. How are you? I'm well. Yourself? Glad to hear it. We're uh, we're doing well, pal. What's uh, What can we help you with?
3: Good. Good. Yeah, I'm actually calling for a friend. He didn't want to create any waves for the company he worked for, which I told him was push. Anyways, they came to an agreement on how much severance uh, he he would get from the company. He has it in writing. And a week later, uh, he, he found out that the company's declared bankruptcy. And so theoretically, I guess there's no money to pay his claim. Um, since they're bankrupt and, and there's no money left, so would he be considered like a secured creditor, which may not pay anything at all?
1: You're a good friend, Denny, for uh, reaching out for uh, for your pal, and and it's uh, it's a very good question. Unfortunately, this is uh, this is a worst case scenario for employees, uh, Denny. I'm talking specifically about bankruptcy. Uh, Your friend is not a secured creditor, Uh, then he is an unsecured creditor, he is a creditor like anyone else and so unfortunately, despite the fact that he was an employee, despite the fact that he reached an agreement with the company about a severance amount, if the company has legitimately claimed bankruptcy. Uh, right? And there, there is sometimes a difference, Denny, between an employer saying they're claiming, claiming bankruptcy and actually doing it. There might be a difference between bankruptcy and receivership. Sometimes employers will emerge out of receivership. They'll kind of survive that process and continue on as a company. So your friend may want to speak with, uh, speak with us just to, just so we have a better sense of exactly the situation is and what his options are. But if it is indeed a bankruptcy, Denny, I hate to report that he's a creditor like anyone else. He's going to get behind the big banks. He's going to get behind the secured creditors. And he's probably going to get cents on the dollar of the severance yeah. that he agreed to. It yeah. is a worst case scenario for employees. We saw it with, uh, with Sears quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. We see it from time to time with, uh, with lots of employers. Bankruptcy is not a situation you want to be in as an employee or even former employee.
3: Yeah. I guess what he should have done was, um, uh, get the money sooner and then they before they declare bankruptcy.
1: That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Ideally, as part of a severance package, you're agreeing to kind of a lump sum payment up front, completely cut ties with the company. Once they've paid you, you know, uh, it, it's over effectively. They can't come claw back that money. If it was some sort of salary continuation or if it took some time uh, to reach that agreement, you know, again, that that uh, yeah. that makes for a very, very difficult situation.
0: Appreciate that call, Danny. Enjoy the rest of your evening. In between dealing with criticism, discipline, bad performance reviews, can an employee, Alex, take a medical leave of absence if the situation becomes too stressful? They pull that card or no? Mm-hmm
1: yeah, it's something uh, it's something that employees uh, will often do, John, when they're dealing with either just a difficult work environment, poisoned work environment, mm-hmm. or when they're dealing with criticism or discipline and, and that could be in the form of of a performance improvement plan or, or just bad performance reviews more generally. You can. You can, John, take a medical leave of absence if, if you're dealing with a stressful situation at work, even if it's in the middle of a performance, uh, assessment or, or a performance performance improvement uh, plan. I have no problems with that. And ultimately, the employee should follow the their doctor's lead on that particular subject. If your doctor is telling you your health is struggling, your health is failing because of the stress that work is causing you, and maybe you're losing sleep or maybe you're not eating properly or maybe you're just you know overly anxious or stressed, and your employer, or your bo- your doctor rather, is telling you to take a leave of absence or suggesting it. I think you've got to listen to your doctor in that situation, uh, uh, John. Your health comes first, always, always, always. And so that is something that is certainly uh, an option for employees. What I will say, however, as a caveat, John, is that a medical leave of absence does not solve any of these problems, if you're dealing with an unjustified performance uh, review that's negative or a performance improvement plan or again some sort of poison difficult work environment what a medical leave of absence does John is it simply takes you out of that environment temporarily. Right. Your doctor might order you uh, you know, a medical leave for a week or maybe a month, Right? it could be any period of time once that period comes to an end and your doctor clears you to return back to work you're returning effectively to the exact same situation. Unless there's been an actual change in the employment uh, in the office where you know the manager you were dealing with is no longer there or there's been some sort of significant change, your employer can continue, for example, the performance improvement plan once you're back from a medical leave of absence. So you're not really solving any issues taking a medical leave, uh, John. You're really just putting pause on the entire process. But again, your health comes first. Uh, it's the number one priority. So if you need to take that medical leave and take some time off, you absolutely can.
0: How about without the, uh, you know, not in the confines of the workplace? I want to ask you that if we got time in a moment, but I want to get to, uh, to Mike's call first. Mike, how are you, pal? What's your question? Uh, what's your question? Oh, what's your question? Uh,
3: uh, good evening, gentlemen. Uh, my question is in regard to, um, I work for a uh, trucking company, uh, provincially uh, regulated. Uh, they've, they're implementing, oh, putting uh, cameras, so a camera facing out on the road and a camward camera facing inward on the driver. I just want to know where this where the stance in regard to privacy. Is the inward looking camera a violation of the driver's privacy?
1: a great question uh, uh mike and i think quite a uh, quite a novel one if you can actually just turn your radio down quickly mike that would, that would be great just hearing some feedback there it's actually quite a novel one i've actually uh, 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 correct me if i'm wrong but this is a relatively new phenomenon i think lots of uh, trucking company companies are implementing these yep. kinds of procedures. And so this is an issue that is going to come up. I'll tell you this, Mike. My initial response here is that I think it's perfectly reasonable. And I actually think it would be a benefit to the drivers themselves to have those outward facing cameras, right? I think to record incidents and potentially accidents and just for, you know, an employee's own safety, I think outward looking cameras completely appropriate, completely legitimate, uh, and therefore legal in the circumstances. Where I do have to take issue, however, is the inward facing cameras. Because I think you're right. You're pointing, you're kind of touching on an invasion of privacy there, uh, issue, Mike, uh, you know, where clearly you're fa- you know, they're facing the driver. And if this is your workplace, right? The question is, can you be filmed constantly in your workplace? Uh, uh, right, And there may be some instances where that's appropriate and there may be others where it isn't. And I think that's an area where you can quite rightfully push back. Mike, if I was you in, in this position, I'd tell my employer, listen, I'm happy with the outward-facing cameras. I think that's great. The inward-facing camera, I'm not so comfortable with. I, sp- You know, not only are you spending your working hours in the truck there, you're also spending your time off in the truck, right? If you're a longer distance driver, for example, it's where you take your breaks, it's where, uh, you know, you might take your lunches, etc., etc. And there is a line there that shouldn't be crossed. Uh, right in terms of invasion of of privacy so I think that's an issue uh, Mike I would push back professionally respectfully of course uh, but it is an ongoing conversation with employers in the trucking uh, industry and I think it's possible that in some cases it might be allowed on a temporary basis where maybe while you're driving while you're actually on the clock they may have a right to film off the clock there should be absolutely no camera pointing to any employees
0: Thank you, sir. Uh, thanks, Mike. Appreciate that. And that's uh, that's where we're going to uh, to wrap it up for this evening. God, it goes quickly, but that's okay. If you didn't get your question asked and get on air in time, we're back in here tomorrow at 630 again. In the meantime, reach out to Alex. He's got your answers. Just make that phone call anytime on your own time. 1-855-821-5900. 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And that website, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Back in here tomorrow, six thirty, the next edition of the employment law show right here. We'll see you then.